Sirtos podcast. We are very excited that you're back with us today for another episode. Um, a few weeks ago, we had our first episode with um, two guests on, and we have another two guests with us today, both in different locations. So um, we are branching out and bringing more people onto the podcast. Um, I'm going to let you all take it away, and you guys can introduce yourself. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks so much, um, Maria and Evan, for having us today. Um, my name is Stacy Perulis. I'm joining in from Charlotte, North Carolina. Very happy to be here and excited about what you guys are doing. Um, just a little background about me. I was actually born and raised in Newport News, Virginia. I think you've talked to a lot of my friends from growing up already. Um, a relatively small community for all the good dance stuff that's that's come out of there and all the great friendships. Um, so I did spend my childhood there and um, after college, moved to New York for a bit and landed back here in Charlotte in 2001. So um, my arrival in Charlotte and into the metropolis of Atlanta actually coincided almost exactly with the um, with the birth of HDF of the Hellenic Dance Festival. So um, I've been very involved over the years here at my home parish at Holy Trinity in Charlotte with the dance program here. And also over the years in various roles with HDF, I currently hold the role of director of competition. So um, look forward to talking with you guys today. Uh, my name is Stavro Kira-Georges. I'm from Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Um, I was born and raised here, lived here my entire life. Um, Greek dance has always been a part of my life. Um, I've been dancing probably since I was, I guess, in kindergarten. I can't remember. I was trying to think of an actual day, but probably that's when we started our dance program. Um, I grew up in our dance program here and um, have taught and directed several groups of varying ages from kindergarten to, um, to adults. Um, in the last, let's see. How many years would you say, Stacy? The last 10 years, maybe now? The last 10 years, I've been involved with the Hellenic Dance Festival with the Metropolis of Atlanta. I've served in various capacities um, on the committees. Um, I've been on a member of the management team. I've been one of the chairpersons for the event. I've been the director of competition prior to Stacy, And now I serve as the um, chairperson for the HDF weekend. So um, Stacy and I work closely together and uh, we try to bring our experiences through our home communities about dance to, um, to the table at HDF as well and make it relevant in the event that we plan. Awesome. Welcome to the podcast. It's so great to have you both here. Um, so I want to jump right in. Um, and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll let either one of you decide who answers first. But um, basically where we'd like to start is um, we want to get to know what was your um, bringing like how were you exposed to greek culture and dance uh, you know as a greek american what was that what was that progression like when did you first see dance and how did that grow into the passion that you have for today was there um i'm always i always love to know like was it a gradual like okay this is kind of cool yeah i can do this or was there like that aha moment where you're like whoa there's all this stuff out there. I need to know it all. Um, so that's what I would like to know. <laughs> yeah, it's such a great. You want me to go first, Alvo? Yeah, that's fine. You can go first. 
um, so it's a, it's a great question. And I did think about it a little bit before talking with you as I was trying to work out the dates myself. But, um, you know, back in Newport News, it was I was probably six or seven when we started to dance. And it was all like many of us centered around our festival back then. Um, and interestingly, I don't know how much um, Anna Yurtsidis told you about, but if her mom was one of our first directors. And I think one of the themes that I keep, I think we're gonna end up coming back to a lot today in all these discussions, knowing Stavro's background too, is just the, the, the idea of connections, whether that's between people or ideas or musicians and dancers. There's a lot, of, there's a lot that works into that theme, but Anna's mom and uh, another woman from our church, Marina Bukovarakis, were our teachers. And um, they led us through all those early years. And then when I was in high school, uh, we actually ended up preparing, our group was preparing to go to competition for the first time. And um, for me, um, dance was always fun. It was where our friends were. It was, you know, we were always at church. Um, but in high school is when I really attached myself to it. I think I, I went to a I changed schools right at ninth grade and I remember mm -hmm. feeling kind of lost a little bit and I mm -hmm. really attached to the idea of my heritage. I think it, it really grounded me, um, gave me some things that I was, I was so proud of it. And I, I remember that being a turning point for me. It's just, I was starting to listen to the music all the time and I was just super, super tied to my dance friends and that's endured. I mean, we're all you know, in contact all the time. We're about to go away together next week. I mean, it's just, we're still such a big part of each other's lives and it really was rooted in those dance days. That's beautiful. Um, I'm curious, do you, growing up, did you go to Greece at all or was that? We did go to Greece. I don't, I wouldn't say that my dance connection came from those trips as much back then though. Now, now much more so. Um, I think what, what the, my, foundation was definitely rooted in everything that happened at our church in Newport News and, and going to those competitions. And then even uh, Bobby, Garofalos and I were the same age. So we, we kind of went through it all together. We were the oldest ones that were ever involved in our community. And we both ended up at the same university and we ended up teaching together. Uh, we taught a, what they called short courses. It was like an extra thing people could do. So we, that was probably my first experience teaching. Um, and um, from then, it just, I always, wherever I moved from there, I always looked to be involved, so. Awesome. Uh, you're up. Okay, so <laughs> I'm up now. So for me, um, I guess I said it earlier, I started dancing in kindergarten. I actually believe the first year I started dancing was the first year we had a dance program here in Winston-Salem. And irony of connections is the reason that we started a dance program in Winston-Salem is because Stacy's dance group from Newport News came and danced here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just thought of something too. I'm going to jump in in a second. So, um, so I was, you know, right at that age where you ever, you started dance. Um, I started dancing maybe just a little bit before HDF started um, the actual event. And was that maybe the second or third year HDF was in Winston? at the mm -hmm. church hall very oh, different wow. than I was now um and so maybe I was in second or third grade something like that whenever it was I think it was the second year of HDF actually it was here in Winston-Salem and we competed as an exhibition group and that was kind of my first introduction to any sort of dancing or any sort of obviously outside of a outside of our Greek festival and the kind of things that we danced back then um and from then I always kind of had an interest for it. I, I always gravitated toward dance towards dance um 
my Papu Stavro was a dancer or he liked to dance and he kind of had that reputation. So it always intrigued me for that reason. Um, I just was kind of like, all right, he's into it. My Papu actually got sick. Um, so in my childhood, so it was kind of a thing to stay connected as well. Mm-hmm. And so that, I think that kind of helped root my, um, connection to dance and I mean it's just grown over time it's grown and evolved I've made so many friends had so many uh, positive experiences that have had major impacts in my life I have a body that I've met through dance actually probably with the exception of my family most of the people that I'm still close to today are I've met through dance so Mm -hmm. it's pretty cool yeah like your dance friends yeah Yeah. has such a strong I mean it's it's such a connective it just brings people together. I mean, whether you want to or not, I mean, the moment you're in that dance floor and you're holding hands together, it's just, you create these bonds naturally and organically, which is, I mean. Yeah, it's interesting that, I mean, you you create a bond and it's not even, I wouldn't say, we we all obviously all have a common interest, right? But the the bond grows so much more beyond that, I've found as, as the years go by. And I mean, my closest friends, I might've made them through dance, but Dance it definitely keeps us together, but it's not our only binding factor at this point. But dance was that first introductory step that helped that established our friendship, I guess I should say. I mean, this could probably be a whole study, like the uh, you know, the principles that we have that we like uncover through dance. Like if if you have a respect and for the tradition and culture of dance, and clearly it talks about who you are as a person. But Anyway, Stacey, you had something. Yeah. I'm curious what. Well, when you said Stauro about our group, seeing our group perform, it reminded me of something that it was still around that time when I, again, I probably 14, 15 years old when I really had that spark. Um, we, I was at a festival in Virginia um, and Levin Via from Florida, John Lulius's group used to be hired to come up and they were the rock stars. I remember standing at the stage, just watching them and, um, it, it, I really, it was, it was like I was watching a rock concert. I was so into it. <laughs> I was so excited. <laughs> and they were the spark for me. I think that I was just like, oh, the, well, there's so much more. Um, mm-hmm. And there's, um, there's so much more to learn. And they just, they, they were, you know, probably 10 years older than the dancers that were, they were 10 years older, maybe than I was at that point. And you could tell, you could see, I'm like, I want to be like that with my body. I want to, I want to feel that on stage with them. And it was, it was really inspirational. It was fun. It's That's so funny that trend. you yeah and it's so funny because evan and i recorded an episode by the time this airs probably almost two months ago um that the person who he started his dance group in just outside of boston in like the worcester area um because he saw and his mom saw the hellenic dancers of new jersey perform outside you know in worcester um and we had had the person like the episode before him the guy was a Hellenic dancer from New Jersey. It's just so crazy, like how there's this like, like web of Greek dance influence. And I'm like, we were joking how we need to like write this out. You know what I mean? That like, right, like a family groups. tree almost. Like, <laughs> inspired you, yeah. Yeah. there'll be a lot of arrows. <laughs> a lot of cross. <laughs> but it's crazy how like that little moment where you take your dance group and perform at this festival someplace. And there's that little, you know, boy, girl sitting in the audience that, you know, may seem like nothing to you, but 10 years down the road, they're going to be like, the moment that inspired me to get into this was when I saw these dancers from, you know, wherever performing this amazing set of dances. And it just, 
like open my eyes. And like, we've, we've heard that consistently that that those were the moments that really took somebody from their small parish that wasn't really exposed to dance. And they're like, oh, there's so much more out there. So it's you know. so true. And I think, I think that's one of the opportunities and the, when what's so special about, um, about competition and having HDF, I think, and, and we could talk pros and cons all day long because there, there are things about it that are challenging too, but the fact it's such an opportunity for, for kids, especially to be exposed, just to, just to see something and to have that spark. Like you said, I think, um, that's one of the things that to me is most exciting. Um, and I, in my role now, which I really love because I get to know directors who are obviously driving, um, this, this whole train, if you will, with, with their kids. And it's so interesting to talk to people that are in different stages of their development of their programs and, and the ones that come for the first time and they're just like, oh my gosh, these kids, like we, they can't get enough now. They're so excited. So it's, it really is exciting for us to be able to be part of that. It, it, I could imagine, I mean, and I, I would definitely want to get into this a little bit um, in a few minutes about competition. Um, I'm curious though about, um, again, growing up around dance, um, I'm curious if, if you know, the, the functions and the, the moments that happened in dance for you, did it happen more so in like formalized um, like festivals and events like that? Or did dance kind of, was dance part of like just, you know, normal life, like you got together with family and there was dancing happening? Um, I think it's always curious. I'm always interested to hear, you know, what kind of balance there was with that. I mean, for me, uh, dance was always part of, you know, my family and familial upbringing, like I mentioned about my bubble. Yeah. Um, but just in general, I mean, my family, I'm a first generation Amer- Greek American. So my family was ingrained into the, you know, the Greek culture and it was part at home. My, my grandparents are from the Hill, you know, they live here. So it was familiar, but I think for me personally, um, the organized events, it might not actually be the event itself, but it's like the offshoots of things that happened at those events, like the relationships that you've made or people that you encountered or saw. And I think those are what made the lasting interconnections just be my analysis. Honestly, very, very similar answer for me. And Stavro, I don't know if we've ever talked about this. You and I have talked about so much over the years, but it was my Bapu who actually I was also also named after. There were no boy cousins in my family. So I was named after Bapu Anastasis. And he was the one who was the dancer. Um, and But clearly not in the same way we're doing dance. He just mm-hmm. loved music right. and he would always, always want to dance. And so I, re- I remember him a lot for that too. Um, so that was the connection early on, but agree, totally agree. I think it's the connections that have come later in life. And as you learn more about yourself, and I think those connections do become more meaningful anyway. But I think also when I first had the opportunity to dance with live folk music, as opposed to just, you know, bazooki music, things that you would do at a festival, I think those connections um, to the music um, make things really real. And I, I, I think that's why it's so important for our kids to learn to dance with with live folk music as well. I think it's a mm-hmm. whole different level of connection. And that didn't come to much later for me, so. Yeah, I, yeah. I agree I, with that. Go ahead. I, I, I'm glad you said something about music because Stacy knows that. I think that music's a very important part of, uh, of dance in general. Um, and I think it's important to understand music, but I think it's the music 
you know, the steps are one thing, but I think it's the music and the feeling that's ensued inside of you and that helps um, foster the love that we all have for this. And um, I would agree with Stacy. I mean, my years directing, and even today, when I go to Ledi or been in, at Panihiria or Ethema in Greece or wherever um, at HDF, it's those musical moments, you know, and the, the way that the music touches your soul that actually um, make a lasting impression, make it stick for me, at least. Yeah, for sure. I completely agree. I can remember um, back in the day, we would have like our songs on cassette tape. And if you remember, if, if you don't know what I'm talking about, that's fine. But you would press like record and, you know, to record from like, cassette tape a to cassette tape yeah. b right to make a copy mm-hmm. um and i remember one of the boys recorded over one of the cassette tapes and the dance director almost like hit the roof because <laughs> it was the only place she had it you know um and That's it's so tragic. funny right but it's so funny that you say that because the art of like teaching kids to dance to live music as opposed to like a song that they know or however they learn the dance um i think for us, where we're from in New York was not a thing when we were growing up. Um, and it's, it's much more a thing down here and it's, it's gaining, I think intensity. Like I I think it's sort of the standard now, um, you know, for, for dance instructors is to vary the music and to teach to like a different, you know, variety of things as opposed to being like, this is the one song that you do for this dance, you know, even in our experiences of HDF and watching the groups develop over the last few years, I mean, there's an increasingly number of increased number of groups every year that um, dance to live folk music. I think Stacy, I think we did it last year. I think it was like eighty something percent of all the performances were live. It was a huge music. jump. Yeah, it had gone from and, yeah. So it, there's definitely is a progression, and it's it's encouraging to see because I, I think it helps bring a new understanding to to what's going on as well. So. Um, for me, it's nice. Yeah, well, because, I mean, dance does not live in a bubble by itself. I mean, dance is such a conversation between the musicians and the dancers. And even beyond that, I mean, that's just the two components of it. But dance, you overlay that with the culture, the stories, the history, and the religion that you're all celebrating in the dance and music. I mean, it becomes this mm-hmm. incredibly robust, you know, movement that it's, it's not just, you know, and that, that to me is where you really open up the door possibility to connect with kids um, when you're teaching mm-hmm. is when you can show them the power that this is not just about, you know, hold hands and do one, two, three, kick, mm-hmm. kick, you know, like, no, there, there, you know, there, there's meaning, there's purpose. There's just so much driving these movements. And it's not just, you know, uh, Mr. Evan told me this is a six step dance and you know, that's right. Hold my hands <laughs> And even taking it, I mean, another layer of that is the actual singing, um, because mm-hmm. that is opens the door into the real stories in a lot of cases that, that give depth to that meaning for, for the dancers. And that's a big challenge, you know, here, obviously, in the States. And in Charlotte, we're actually fortunate. We have a lot of, um, a lot more first generation and some kids even that are still moving from Greece to our community. We have a really large community here that seems to be entrenched and language is still, um, we have a lot of Greek speaking kids. Um, but it's a bigger challenge in a lot of the smaller communities or, or places that don't have that. But I mean, being able to teach the, the music, the lyrics, the songs and having kids sing is just a whole other layer of that, that understanding. So, yeah, right. Absolutely. 
Um, so I'm curious, um, curious to know what part of Greece you're from. What are your, what does your families come from? <laughs> so my people are from Cyprus, actually. Me too. Ah, <laughs> how about that? Um, yeah, so that's, uh, it's been, gee, it's been a few years since I've been back, 2017, I think. Um, okay. But yeah, well, oh, we'll have to compare notes, Evan. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> um, north side or south side? We are from the south, so uh, okay. the mo my dad's my dad's studio is right outside Lefosia, but on the on the southern side. Oh, but wow. yeah, and we're neighbors. <laughs> How about that? Hi! I can't wait to chat. We'll chat offline about it. That's so fun. Be like long lost cousins. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, you're you're probably not. <laughs> Summer, what about you? Uh, my family is from Evrdania. Um, from a village called Vinanya outside of Kerpenisi. Both of my parents are from the same Korea. So Aww. I'm a full bred Evertanian. You want to laugh though? So this is an interesting note. Stavro, you're from the from the mountains, but love island music. And I'm from an island, but love mainland music. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. I'm actually pretty convinced that I'm not actually from Karpenisi. I think they just got confused and they just got the island, the Nisi part of Karpenisi. And that's why I think that's, I think my ancestors got mixed up. That, that's funny. I, I mean, it's funny because every time I'm out dancing, I always have somebody come up and they always say, are you from Bondos? He said, Bondio. I'm like, no, I'm from Cyprus. They're like, what? <laughs> Like, yeah, I, I just, I like this stuff. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, That's so funny too, because Stavro, I feel like I remember New Year's Eve. I, it must have been Icariotico. And I was like, damn, and our Carrion's in the house. Like, I don't know, you you must have been doing something. I was like, wow, I I would have guessed you were from the islands too. So you you could, I mean, that's like a I, good trick I for wish. people. I <laughs> wish, yeah. I had a dancer come up to me a month ago and say that she's from Garpanisi and she wants to know, you know, what dances she can learn from her hometown. I'm like, I'll get back to you. <laughs> I can send um, you a few things, but actually, in all honesty, I shouldn't, I shouldn't talk crap about my cordial. I do, I do love everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I will say as from a music perspective or from a Barabasi perspective, I do feel a stronger co connection to other parts of Greece. Um, and I think part of that has to do with, um, the way that other parts of Greece actually hold on to their traditions. Um, I would say in Karpenisi, we're not the best for that. Can you expand and a lot? And a lot has been off. Um, just a lot of it has to do with like the Turkish occupation and um, other, you know, external factors as such, you know, but there was a, there's a Westernization of music in central Greece. Um, as by, you can tell by just the instrumentation, like mm -hmm. the clarinol and stuff like that, those aren't native instruments to those areas. And a lot of the paradosy that existed before that is is completely lost. Like there's nobody that, for example, if you go to the fo Greek folk museum, I can't remember mm -hmm. the name off the top of my head this second, in Athens, there's actually a photo of an old man playing a carpenisotico zurna, which to my knowledge and anybody that I've asked, I've never found anybody today that, can play that instrument so it's an instrument that's yeah. just been kind of lost yeah. so you know and, and and in my experiences in greece going to other places to islands and particularly in northern greece um they've done a much better job about preserving the ethimon and those types of musical traditions and there's honestly you know in many parts of greece there's kind of like an associated like a revival of um mm -hmm. of folk instruments um you know because they 
there was a period in the 1900s where there was a modernization period in Greece. And um, so that's cool to, for me to see. And I think that's part of the reason that I gravitate towards other places, but it doesn't change that. I still love my Horia. Yeah. That, I mean, I, I feel that I can feel that. Um, and I, I'm Carpathian. So, but I didn't grow up around people from Carpathos. I was the only person in my community in all of upstate New York who was Carpathian. Um, so I, I get it because it's, it's like a connection, but also at times it can be a disconnection or it's easier to absorb yourself in other traditions because it's just what you were around a little bit more. You had Barea who, you know, were from like those islands or whatever. So if you had to pick a favorite tradition or like an island or grouping of islands that you identify, I know this is tough. Now we're getting into like the hard hitting questions. I know. Um, what would you say you gravitate towards the most? Stacey, I'm gonna let you go ahead because I'm oh, wow. for like five minutes. <laughs> I'm gonna noodle on this a little bit. Let, let's, so I think this, I actually have thought about this a little bit and it's funny because I think when I was younger, I would have told you hands down, I loved everything Cretan because again, that was my connection. So Bobby, who again, you've already spoken with, um, he and his brother were part of Raparayane and we, and we just tended to learn and dance a lot of Cretan. I think a lot of people did back then. It was just a thing. Um, and so I think that was, again, my point of reference. And because I had that connection, I felt like, oh, that's what I love. But over the years, um, I've, a, been able to teach from a lot of places. And so I feel like um, music and dance that I didn't think that I was necessarily in love with now, because I do have the connection of learning about it so deeply and then teaching it and sharing it. I found I, I love a lot of things. Um, I tend to, I did say I, I like more mainland. I actually really, really like the, um, the brass band sounds in Macedonia a lot. Um, I've taught a lot very recently in the last few years, I've taught um, from a lot of Western Macedonian areas and that I really enjoy quite a bit and I've enjoyed learning a lot. We, as our, our with our adult group, Stav and I dance together in a group that's based here in Charlotte. Um, three of us. We, we've done dance partners. We are partners. We, we lovingly <laughs> call ourselves husband and wife because we are always on stage together <laughs> and, and spend a lot of time together outside of that. But um, we danced a lot from, from Praiki. And so we have a strong connection to that, to that music too. And Salva's done some research firsthand there too. And I know it feels a good connection. And we have a lot of, have now established a lot of great friendships in both those areas through dance um, that keep that connection alive. So that's probably not a real direct answer, but it's perfect. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's an impossible question to really give a, yes. a pinpointed answer. Um, yeah. but. trick question <laughs> not real. I mean I think it's a great thing to think about but I think for me again like I wouldn't even tell you that I have least favorite at this point I might have a dance that I'd rather sit out and watch someone else do because they're so good at it and I'd rather observe but I can't say that I dislike very much at all um, it's just more about you know do I want to get up and dance and do I am I am I enticed to do that or do I want to watch someone else kill it on the dance floor you know right. I think it's interesting something you said that as you learned about the regions, mm -hmm. a region you may have not liked before became a region that you really had an appreciation for. Cause that kind of hit home with me, like with um, like Epiros, um, mm -hmm. like really getting into like the deep mountain dances and stuff. Like when I, before I really understood why the music sounded the way it did and all these things, I was like, eh, you know, not so much. But then once I really got schooled on, you know, 
why they sing the way they do, why the, where the language comes from, the dialect and all that. And I really started to understand the history of it. It really just turned me completely around and I was like, okay, this is something I can really get behind. And, you know, when you understand the power behind it, now all of a sudden it, it carries different weight for you. So that Absolutely. definitely spoke to me when you said that. It's so true. And I think we, I mean, that's as teachers, um, we have that opportunity to, to give a lot more to our students to that way and hopefully inspire, inspire them. I mean, it, 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 you know, especially during HDF weekend that just would have, what would have been HDF weekend that passed in January, a lot of my students were reaching out because I have most recently been teaching high school juniors and seniors. So a lot of them missed out on their last year, which was really sad. Um, but they were texting me like clips of them singing and they were, you know, getting together and it was just, oh, it's, it's amazing because it still connects them and they, and they get so excited. So. Stavro, you're up. Yeah, you're up, Stavro. All right, just to recap, because this is like a really loaded question. So just making <laughs> sure I understand everything I need to answer here. Um, all right, so a region that you most identify with or in dance. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's basically the, the premise yeah. of the question, correct? Mm -hmm. Okay, so for me, um, Stacy mentioned it earlier that I do have a strong um, connection to island dancing. I've always been um, fascinated by um particular well uh, most mainly Aegean Islands and a few of them in particular a couple of them in the Kikolavas and um a couple in the Lubakanyasa um and the music just speaks to me for some reason I, I I'm just really drawn to it it's something that I could listen to all day long and just feel good inside um so I I have a strong connection um and I really enjoy the dances um from Kithnos and Sifnos, and I, um, in the Kiklavas, and then in the Lulikanisa, I um, have a strong connection, and I don't know why, to uh, Rodetica. Um, and and um, actually, actually, I was listening to this this morning, that's, that's why I thought of it. But, um, and a particular musician in Rodos Yanis Glavakis, who, helped um, revitalize the, the lira in that area. And um, he actually had a special the other day on Elino de Romana, so everybody check it out. Mm -hmm. But, um, but you know, as, as Stacy mentioned too, you know, in, re in more recent years, while that's always something that'll be close to my heart, in more recent years, newfound friendships and um, acquaintances in Northern Greece have given me much more appreciation for it. I've always liked it, but you know, and kind of studied it or whatever, but um, I've had a lot of unique opportunities to experience um, different Ethima, Panihiri and stuff like that in, in Thraki and um, mainly in Thraki and Evros and um, in Ceres. And um, it's brought about a newfound appreciation for it. When you, you see something, when you immerse yourself in something and see it and it's as raw form as it can be today, I guess, in 2021. Um, I don't know, you, you gravitate towards a newfound respect. And so in my more recent years of directing, I've kind of gravitated towards teaching those things more. And, you know, I, I, I would agree with Stacey and say that I don't really know if there's something I dislike. I don't think there's anything that I dislike. I definitely have preferences over things that I like. And um, for me personally, and there's some things that I like to dance personally that I don't really like to teach. Um, mm -hmm. There's other things that, I like to teach and I don't really care as much 
to dance. I'll be one of the more of one of the observers. But you know, I think our our groups kind of dictate that as well. Is what I've found over time is that my my group kind of dictates what what's a, a good fit for them, and, and we grow with it together. I think for most people, there isn't a region or a dance that we hate or dislike. So I, I that's I think minus one for Maria, maybe. <laughs> but it's it's not even from a place of like hating. What is it, Maria? We want to know. I know. Elenitza. I mean, now you got to say it. I, Elenitza, I, I have to, or Cody Eleni, however you want to call it. I need and a strong beat. That's it. Thank you. <laughs> I need like, a, I don't even know. I'm so uh, bastardizing the name, but I need like a, I need a strong bass because that's, that's syncopation. You're good. <laughs> right? It is. Um, it's hard for my brain to remember. So what are you guys teaching your kids now? Well, so we, we had this lofty idea that we were going to, um, <laughs> do a little uh apocryphal exhibition um before easter we we're like okay the pandemic will be in a you know comfortable spot and we can at least mm-hmm. do like a socially distance exhibition for their parents and stuff but that didn't happen so we we had been focusing on the dances of apocryphal different areas and what their traditions are um kind of jumped around we didn't tie to a certain area but we focused more so on the cultural as the religious cultural side of it and how different regions celebrated it um, but now we're kind of shifting and just, I mean, right now I'm just doing a different kind of model with them where I'm like, we're going to dance from Macedonia. And then the next dance we're going to do is going to be from Crete. And I want you to see how, how much difference there is in the style. So I'm kind of like trying to challenge their thought process. No, that makes sense. You know, we're not preparing for anything. So I'm not like isolating. No, it's, kind of a, it's kind of a gift for, for yeah. to be a little more relaxed about it. I was thinking too, when Stavro was talking a lot, again, this kind of goes back that, that connection and what you like or what, you, what mm-hmm. kind of inspires you, I think does your experiences again, just dictate that so much. I think we've been on HDF for on social media this, this week, we started to have yeah. a look back at people, people's memories of Apocrias. And so I've been going through a lot of my old pictures from last year. I was in, we Stavro and I were both in Greece this time last year in February for Apocrias. Um, and it's funny, I think a lot of people might listen to a recording of Zorna, for example, and be like, oh, like it may not do much for them, but to be live to see it in, in person. Naosa and to feel the Dauli and to hear, and mm. I mean, and to experience and to be literally immersed in it, which I was very, very fortunate and grateful to have done that last year. It was, um, it's, it's very moving. It was mm-hmm. more moving than I even expected. I, I knew it would be, but it was, it was incredible actually. And so um, I think the longer you can stay involved and expo- be exposed to those experiences, I think, you, you know, that, that answer is always going to change, I yeah. guess, is, is the answer. <laughs> so I'm curious um, how you would compare experiences with dance in Greece versus experiences with dance in America. Um, you know, like, I don't know if you can really do a side-by-side comparison, but I'm, I'm curious what your, your takeaway is from that and I kind of look at it twofold if if I can say this is that when I'm looking at dance because when I look at dance in Greece on a performance basis and then I look at dance in Greece like in actual practice like at a panihiri or whatever I have a very different impression for the most part on very on two different things um and I think not as much here. I think that a lot of the things that we teach our groups in performance settings translate to um, 
to the dance floor here and finding here or whatever. But in Greece, I'm personally, I don't think that now I shouldn't make this blanket statement for everybody, but a lot of groups, I don't, I don't see that same. I see a, more of a disconnect. I see it very much more refined and almost kind of unnatural in comparison mm -hmm. to the way things are actually, actually done. So um, obviously all of my, my favorite dance experiences would definitely be those traditional moments and in Greece. I mean, you can't replicate those. Those are once in a lifetime experiences. Yeah. Um, but, you know, even here in the United States with people that have studied dance, and I shouldn't say that studying dance is a qualifier by any means, but people that mm -hmm. have an appreciation for dance and being at Atlanta with live music, whatever, you can get some of that same, I, for me personally, I can still get some of that same feeling dancing with a group of people who really enjoy it. 100% agree with that. I mean, we've talked about this before too, Stavro, and I think that, um, you know, within the confines, let's just take the HDF weekend as an example, and you get you get both sides, and that's, uh, it's it's the good with the bad. I mean, to me, the, the competition is what gets the kids there and keeps mm -hmm. them engaged somehow. Um, but there's, there's negative to that too, because it is so structured. And, you know, we see groups every year that, you know, if, um, if one thing is uh, off from the way they've practiced it, it's, it just all goes out the window. And I'm like thinking to myself, we're missing the point here. This isn't, mm -hmm. this isn't the point. Um, but again, it's, it, it's, we, we have to take that piece of it to get the other side, which is the more social and relaxed, the, the side that we get at the, at the Glendia where we, you know, we get to have our, our musicians there and, um, and give that, that more, I hate to use the word authentic, but that more natural experience. Yeah. Um, yeah. Talk a little bit about how HDF has evolved. Cause I know in the beginning, um, Stavro, you said when you were like a little one that HDF was like in the hall of your church and it's like, mm -hmm. Wicked I thought big it was now. big back then too. Yeah, I mean, didn't but, we we didn't know it. We didn't know anything. <laughs> yeah, and you know, Evan and I, we've talked about this before. We've never been, um, you know, we've been to smaller conferences, if you will, um, but we've never been to HDF or FDF. So obviously, HDF is on the books for us for next year. Um, but can you talk about the evolution of it, like how it's grown and and what it is today? Just a little bit about HDF. I mean, HDF, it's sponsored by the Metropolis of Atlanta. Um, it is, we just celebrated our 20 year anniversary in 2020. Um, and that was not the 20th HDF, but the 20th year of it being an idea. Um, but HDF has evolved over time. And, you know, it's, it's a dance competition. Yes, um, that brings um, dancers and Greek Orthodox Christians together and, and Christian fellowship and in a competition aspect, like Stacy said, we do have a competition, um, but it's, it's so much more than that. It's a weekend where a kind of a dance family comes together. Um, so the competition is one element, but, you know, sitting and watching the other groups perform with other people or sitting at the Glandia and talking and dancing. And those are the type of relationships that we really aspire in HDF um, to foster. Um, and so we try we try to do things on a yearly basis or throughout the year to try to get people engaged and um, to make it more of a family. And you know, I think we had almost almost I think we had like eighteen hundred participants last year in Orlando. Wow. Um, that was our largest event that we've had. Um, we started with wow. I think 
I wasn't, I wasn't at the, well, I was at the first HDF, but I don't remember from what, <laughs> from what I've been told, I think there was like six dance groups in Columbia, South Carolina. So um, it's evolved in the last 20 years dramatically. We went from dancing in on gym floors and in church halls to um, renting out some of the largest hotel spaces in the country, um, which is, you know, it's awesome to see. And, and the production has I mean, it's night and day from whenever we first started, you know, we have staging and lighting and AV techs and all kinds of fancy things that we would have never really thought of even a few years ago. Um, and it seems like, you know, HDF and Stacey, maybe you might disagree with this, but I don't feel like as an event, yes, we have evolved on a technical standpoint, but I think uh, the audience or the, the actual participants have helped the event grow along the way and I think that they have helped build um, the appreciation for dance and music and our faith um, I don't know it's um, I, I, I'm looking back you know it's been over a year since we had HDF now because we had to cancel 2021 due to the pandemic but um, even in 2020 we had musicians from Thessaloniki and Kariti and I can't even remember where else throughout the United States, but there was so many different groups of musicians there. And it was just kind of heartwarming to see like how far it's become. Trust me. Sometimes I, I complain about it all the time. Like Stacy, why are we still doing this? But then you see it, <laughs> but then you see it all come together and it, it feels good that weekend. You feel like, Hey, you know, this, it, it goes beyond dance. It goes beyond the religious aspect. It, it, it's about, fostering relationships and, and fostering a, a deep appreciation for our unique heritage. And I think the kids, whether they've been, their family's been in the United States for 200 years, or they just got here, you know, they all still share a part of that same appreciation. I completely agree with that style. I mean, we hosted, it was one of my first HDF events. We hosted um, HDF in Charlotte in 2004 and I was on the host committee then. And we had 17 groups. I do remember that. So we've gone, we had 40 plus at the, at the last one. It is, I mean, numbers wise, we can, we can look at that and see how much it's grown. What I, what is very meaningful to me actually though, is, um, we're, I don't know if it's because we're small enough or just because somehow the participants have managed to make this the truth, but the spirit of it to me is still so warm. Mm -hmm. um, we've grown a lot, but I think anyone that's there really just feels part of it still. And I think that's something kind of magical and special that I, I hope we can hold on to if we do continue this trend of growth, um, which, which we could. Um, but I think that that spirit of warmth and fellowship is really very much still a part of it and ingrained in the HDF. Um, you know, it's, it's also, it's grown. We well, I was just going to say that it's grown, like it's, it's grown outside of our, our metropolis. I mean, last year we had, we have participants or, you know, people that come from all over the country, but we had groups from California and sh Chicago and Denver and Kansas, and Denver, Kansas, and yeah. all sorts of places. And so the, the mm -hmm. HDF family in itself has just grown and those relationships are continuing to be fostered and developed. And it, it's cool to see it all come together. And, and the nice thing too about HDF is that um, we also try to sponsor events throughout the year. Um, so, you know, there, whether it's supporting um, weekend events that 
church communities are putting on where we can sort of give the HDF endorsement and maybe some some support financially or in a in a in a way of just getting the word out. Um, so like Onyxy weekend that happens here in Charlotte, and there have been um, Melbourne, Florida had an event prior to the pandemic that HDF sponsored as well. So. And then HDF Forum, which Maria, you joined in on recently, um, that, so we actually had our first HDF Forum was part of Onyxy Weekend in 2019. It was a, a panel discussion with um, some judges um, and people that were that are very involved in HDF. And it was just a discussion to dig a little deeper into how to, how to be a better director and how to prepare for competition. It was a really great, great discussion. We had it live here in Charlotte. Mm. And this time last year during the pandemic, I'm sitting here thinking, oh, we need to capitalize. And we've always talked so much about um, wanting to do more on the education side um, for HDF outside of the HDF weekend. So that's where the HDF forum series sort of was born, that idea. And uh, so we've you know, we've had several seminars, all virtual since then. Um, we did one about music. You came to the one about costumes. We did a more general mm -hmm. historical one earlier and we'll, we'll certainly do more. And that's actually for, for me, it's been very exciting to put that together as I, um, the education side, in my opinion, is just, we're, we are so fortunate to have this network of people that is collectively so knowledgeable and is so entrenched and we just have to be able to and it's very similar to the idea of what you're doing is trying to capture mm -hmm. all that um and and share it with everybody so that I think will endure and it's it was a positive thing that came out of the pandemic because it was in that little silent piece where we weren't teaching we weren't doing anything that we're like okay now we can work on something we've always wanted to yeah I think that's so important because you know when you said you had like a group from Kansas, like Kansas wouldn't be the first place. Of course, there's going to be Greeks and Greek Orthodox churches in Kansas, but that's not like the first place I would think there would be a group that would be like looking to go to a dance conference. But the hope is, um, you know, with this, and I think it's so important that you all are doing the education is that if somebody is interested who might be in a community that isn't resource rich, like the areas that we're in, um, in terms of like access, you know, to subject matter experts, they can you know, attend one of these things and be like, oh, I can, you know, contact this person to get costumes or, you know, one great thing on the costume um, workshop was like, how can you make costumes in a way that they're really nice, they look nice, they're good quality, but they're not going to break the bank. And just like the little things kind of talking about, well, you know, do this or don't do this or don't get all 17 of the same costume. I was like, oh, those are great tips for people who may not have, you know, all the resources at their fingertips. I think education is huge because it helps to make preserving the the cultural things that dance brings up even easier, right? It's like yeah. not a guessing game. <laughs> I mean, it's something that we we could probably be better at, but it's something that we're working on and it's something that um, education is an important piece. And, um, you know, it's, we've gone about it in both ways. We've gone about it through the forum with directors, director education. Um, and then HDF also, um, we have an HDF Odyssey scholarship um, where every four years we take a group of kids to Greece. Oh, no um, way. Yeah, so the la when was the last one? I think 2018 or 19, Stacey? I think it was 18. I think it was 18. Um, I think it was 18. And um, so they go with the Metropolitan from here and there's about 25 to 30 kids and they go on a tour of a certain particular area of Greece and they visit churches and stuff like that. But then they also participate in, um, they do dance performances in certain places and they do um, workshops and 
this last group, this last one was prepared really nicely. Kiriako Moisi, they actually helped plan the entire event. Um, and he had all, all sorts of things lined up and it ended. Um, they were at a performance with Glikeria and um, they got to meet her and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, we, we've tried to hit it on multiple fronts, like on the director's standpoint, which helps bring it into the communities, but then also keep the kids engaged as well. And something for the kids to look forward to, to help establish newer directors or younger yeah. directors in the community. That just gave me the goosebumps. Um, when you were talking about that, like what a great opportunity. That's amazing. I had so no it's, idea. It's developed over time. Every trip, we, it gets a little better. Um, yeah, of you know, course. We learn, we learn um, things to do and not to do. And, but I think the kids really appreciate it. Actually, um, I was, I went on the Odyssey trip. Whatever. I think it was that the first one. Yeah, I guess. Uh, and um, no, I think it was the second one, actually. Um, I went on the second Odyssey trip, and um, that's when I really got to know uh, Michael Baro Sarado. And so oh, no I was a Cubaro at his wedding now, and I'm going to baptize his son. So it's it's cool that's to see the same thing what we've been talking about over and over again, but those relationships, how huh? yeah. they just come yeah. time and time again. Well, fun yeah. fact, fun fact about Sarado. I taught Sarado. Sarado was my, <laughs> my student when I moved here. He was at, at once the best dancer I had and the one that sat out in the hallway the most. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, and we still laugh about it now, but the, the, the crazy thing is years later, he became my teacher. I mean, he, he, was <laughs> the, he taught Frilos, our adult group. And so it was wild being at this little fifth grader, sixth grader that I had taught. And then it all comes back around again. And um, now he's married and has a child. And so it goes back to those connections. It's right. pretty cool though. That's um, so wild. I'm curious, wow. um, what would be, what would be your greatest takeaway from the HDF competition? What, what do you, what would you, What's the thing that you look back the most at and like see that as the greatest success of this event? Hands down the relationships for me. I, I mean, I, I and I think the relationships are what drives all the rest of what we're talking about here, the culture and holding on to music and dance and tradition. It's, it all starts with the relationships. That's, I, I, yeah. I mean, the thing, I think the thing I look forward to at HDF this after all of the facetias and all of the planning and all of that crap that I really can't stand, <laughs> but the, all of those things. But at the end of the day, when you're sitting there and it's Saturday night and you're at the Glendy with all of your closest friends and really listening to something you love, doing something you really love, but just enjoying life, that's when it makes it all worth it for me. Yeah, that's amazing. And I mean, kudos to you guys for, you know, you have lives outside of Greek dance as well. And, um, I think sometimes people don't realize like how much this takes from you, but I'm sure like Stavro, that moment of just sitting there and like watching everyone enjoy the hard work that you and, and many other people put into that weekend, it like recharges your batteries like tenfold. It does yeah. every year, every year leading up to HDF. I say this is my last year. And then every day when I, every year when I leave, Stacy can attest to this. I'm like, okay, so next year we're going to yes, do exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's, we, it's a oh. very predictable cycle. Absolutely. Yeah. So there's nothing it's wrong even become that. so predictable that now Stacy goes, okay, in three days, you're going to say something different. <laughs> well, it's tough because there's so much emotion behind this stuff. And I think, um, you know, as we've talked to various 
instructors while we're recording this podcast, people had been a little bit um, reluctant to say that, you know, they were kind of glad that they were sort of forced to have this break um, because of the pandemic. You know, they're like, oh, it feels horrible saying that we feel like horrible instructors, but you put so much of yourself into to these events and HDF is a whole different ball of wax, like just teaching and directing a dance group. There's so much that goes into it. Um, it's not just showing up, you know, to teach your group or whatever. It's continuously learning, like, you know, stop it. I, I don't know my North Carolina geography too well, but I know that Winston-Salem and um, Charlotte are not next door to each other. So you guys are, you're driving to go dance with an adult group, right? Like, you know, to feed your brain. And I just think like in a way, a big blessing with the pandemic has been that we've all gotten a little bit of a break. We can kind of recharge and we can see what's like so important to us, which is, you know, things like HDF and things like, you know, driving to go probably like what, two hours. I don't know. I'm just guessing. That's just a little over an hour, but still, I mean, um, yeah. And, you know, I, I feel like we keep talking about the same thing over and over again in different realms, but I think, but the, I think, feel like the relationships that have been created is what's going to keep all this going, going forward. Like it was, we still, everybody still kept in touch. People are still engaged. Those relationships are still being fostered through the forum. And I think that's, what's going to give the restart button or the, you know, boost the batteries for, you know, an upstart, you know, this later this year. Oh yeah, maybe maybe we'll approach it in a in a healthier way. Maybe maybe we'll we'll only be concerned with the most important aspects. I don't know. That would be lovely if that actually happened. But right, right. I'll, I'll let you know in October. <laughs> is that when you hit your slump before HDF is is October? It's always October. Point? I'm like, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> then it gets better in November than December. It's the the rock uh, bottom. Sarah and I always have a Christmas week. <laughs> well, we always have a goal to get the the competition schedule done by Christmas Eve so that we can actually enjoy Christmas. Yeah. Um, yeah. If it, yeah, uh, but, a relationship right here, though, I I'm I'm super thankful for for this for Stavro and um, me and too for you, wife. Yeah. 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 I've known Stacy my whole life, actually. Yeah amazing I have, I have newport news connections that's why he does yeah he had family there mm-hmm. and oh. is yeah i used to read read um read our coffee for us that's oh cool. my gosh that web, that. that web is getting greater <laughs> we won't talk about our age difference but yes <laughs> you are a cute kid so. oh, thank you so um i want to ask you about a, a topic that i've had conversations with on the podcast and outside of it about competitions, um, more so on the negative side of opinions on competition. I'm curious to see how you react to this notion that um, I've talked to people who express concern that they feel like competition um, goes against what dance is intended to do to bring people together. Now, I mean, it's clear from our conversation right now that that is not really what the, the, the takeaway from HDF is because community is, I mean, we've talked about it so many times, but I'm curious like what you would have to say to that and to people who think that competition um, is divisive and creates the wrong kind of atmosphere for dance and with our our children. I I would say, and you might surprise you that I'm gonna say this, but I would say that if you looked at competition isolation and how 
some groups might approach it that, yeah, that might be a true statement. Um, however, I think whenever you look at the entirety of the weekend as a whole and see the bigger picture um, and see the preparation that goes into it, I think you can recognize that, yes, there might be a competitive aspect. There might be some people that, you know, might be a little they're competitive and they might be a little hostile or whatever. And they're not have that same sort of fellowship or, you know, spirit of brotherly love, but um, you could say that, but I mean, looking at it from the outside and taking all the factors in, um, I think those things are so small in comparison to the positives that are brought from it. Um, You know, obviously it is a competition, right? So, you know, and you can't take a competition out of a competition. Trust mm-hmm. me. But, yeah. Okay. It's not possible. <laughs> okay. It's not possible, but um, I think, you know, th- there's good that comes out of competition. There's good that comes out of that drive. I mean, if it wasn't for competition, um, some of the things that we do, do as commonplace and dance performances wouldn't have ever occurred. You know, if it wasn't for competition, people wouldn't be trying to bring better music and exposing people to those musicians. If it wasn't for competition, you know, people would not sp- spend as much time focusing on style and the actual traditions of the area. If it, and if it wasn't for competition and people now trying to put things into context, you know, and their performance with costuming and ethema uh, and all those types of things, if it wasn't for competition and kind of pioneering that, I don't know if those things would be occurring. So, you know, a competition has also, as much as it can be a negative, it can be, but it just depends how you how you use it. And, um, it's, it can be a real positive. It's a, it's a game changer. It gives, uh, it gives people a drive and I, it shouldn't, I shouldn't say that competition should be the reason that, um, you know, you should strive to dig in deeper in whatever you're doing in regards to dance, but realities are realities and it, it does do that. So, you know, it's harnessing on those positive elements that come out of it and, and really focusing on those and trying to highlight those so that people, look at those types of things and use those as their guiding light is kind of my thought process on it. Fantastic answer. Uh, That's, I mean, totally echo that. It's about the net, the net gain. You know, there's always going to be a negative. There's going to be bad sportsmanship or people that are just so disappointed because they put their heart and soul into something. And, you know, if you, if you compare it to something else that a lot of the same kids. So kids that are part of the Greek community are part of, let's just take basketball, for example, almost every Goya has basketball. It's the same thing. I mean, you're going to have tough times on the basketball court and anything competitive is going to, it's going to, there's, there's high stakes in some cases and and people's emotions and we're Greek. We, we get excited. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, but I think it's an oppor- it, as with anything else, it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to learn about yourself and to learn how you how you manage that and to move on and to learn from it. And completely agree with Stavro that it. And this is where I I see both sides of competition. It's it does have that negative piece in the sense that you're doing it because it's a competition, and yet because it is, that's why we're digging deeper and, and learning more and, and it does drive us. And so we just have to take, take both sides of it. And to me, the net net is so much, so positive that it's yeah almost, almost not worth yeah. even looking at it. In that mm-hmm. I will say too that for, I will say too that it, it is, you know, we're talking about it amongst the four of us as dance directors, but you know, when we're talking about competition, HDF, 
or any other dance competition. It's about relating it to the kids and the hundreds of participants that are on there. So the understanding and appreciation that we might have for dance on its own merit may not be the same for a child, you know? And so it is a way to get them engaged as well. It's a good way to get them kind of in tune a little bit more to want to know the next step or want to want to do a little bit better, you know, and not to boast about HDF. I mean, I've been to other dance competitions as well. And I will say that just from my experiences going to other dance competitions and HDF that for some reason, I feel like HDF still seems to hold more of a community spirit. Um, and I think that's, yeah. it's, it's very supportive. I mean, um, you know, obviously there's exceptions to that rule always, but, you know, and maybe, you know, I've thought about this, like why in comparison to maybe other dance competitions or whatever, that I feel like, you know, the HDF family is maybe more tight knit and it may be because our circle's smaller. I don't know, or we, we grew it together. I don't know what it is, but you know, we, some of my closest friends, we compete against each other and we still have a drink at night and laugh and it doesn't matter, you know, like we can all appreciate what was good about anybody's performance, you know? Yeah. And it's so. such a safe, it's such a safe environment too. And, and what a, what a great place as for a kid, you know, uh, to go through maybe a big disappointment where you have, you know, your chaperones and your parish priest and such a network of people around you to, to kind of help you learn from it. I don't know. I think it's a really, I think you, kids should have those experiences on both sides of the coin. So um, there's a lot of value in that too, in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. And I think if you can still maintain that connectiveness and that like, you know, that it's like a family affair, I think that's because of the tone that you all set, you know, you guys set that in the beginning, you've carried it through, you've gone through and you continue to go through growing pains, you know, with anything as, as you continue to grow, but that flavor people, you can't, extract that from there you know what I mean it's ingrained into it so that's definitely really special that you guys have been able to do that uh, you know, uh, it's Maria, not just it. us sorry I was yeah no just I was just, just gonna it's say not that. Just Go us. And I was just gonna say it's not just us but you know as a as a I'll speak as an HDF committee we we do try to promote that but it's mm -hmm. really been up to the participants themselves that have created that atmosphere mm -hmm. you know and us as participants too I mean Stacy and I are both directors like us as participants too but there's I don't know, a hundred different directors, you know, and it's because of them and their kids and their parish priests, and all those people that have helped continue to foster that yeah. kind of sense of community. And I think it's, it's so much too about, um, people are so generous. They're generous mm -hmm. with their, with their knowledge these days, um, with their experience. And I think again, through things like the forum and even just HDF weekend itself, I, there is a spirit of, it's not like oh, my, it's my property, what I've, what mm -hmm. I researched or what I've taught, whatever, everyone wants, everyone that I've ex experienced um, is just so willing to talk and share. And that's, that helps with that, that mm -hmm. sense of community too. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's hugely important because you can't, and I think that has shifted. I feel like I, I don't remember what episode we were talking about this with maybe with Anna and Adi that previously it was sort of like, you know, it was like ownership of your content, you know, and now it's, it's, very much shifted to like, let me share and let's help each other. Or here's a set. It was definitely, Adi was talking about yeah, this. Was like, here's a set, here's the music. Here's how you do it. Let me know if you have questions. You know, that's, that's so awesome because, you know, I mean, it, it was not like that. I mean, we grew up with yeah. three churches and it was like competition. They were right next door to each other. They you did know? my dance. Right. Um, 
Well, I didn't yeah. know you created this on the island of Icaria you know, a right. couple hundred years ago, but sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's, I mean, that was a big conversation as you know, about our whole purpose in doing this is to make sure that we are keeping the traditions alive, honoring the traditions and passing it on so that they live another hundred years with the next generation. Um, and we certainly don't accomplish that. We don't achieve that by finding stuff, hoarding it for ourselves and, you know, keeping it closed off to the rest of the community. So um, certainly, I mean, all of this is very important opportunities to come together and share it. And I think, I mean, to me, one of the most powerful things that you said is the competition has driven that conversation. It's almost propelled it forward so much faster than what it could have possibly done on its own. Um, I don't think it would have ever done it on its own, quite honestly. Agreed. Because I think, um, I mean, I guess it could in theory, but I, I don't think that the things that we're doing for competition now, you know, to try to be as traditional as possible and those types of things and trying to really search back for the actual paradosi and the musical paradosi and all those types of things. I don't know if we would have ever done that if we were just doing performances. I think that yeah. we would have maybe scratched maybe a little bit deeper than the surface, but mm -hmm. we would have been content there, you know, that... Yeah. we were there and everybody was like wow this is really good and then because of competition we dug deeper mm -hmm. you know and so I, I really think you know and i mean even if i think it's interesting like if you look at performances like uh, in greece like some of the larger dance groups and stuff like that like even they are doing some of the things that were founded in competition here in the united states which is kind of interesting to see that that conversations even shifted you know, like period pieces. Like that was not a that was not a thing. I've always wondered that how much of what we're doing in America is you know driving the conversation that you know because I, I mean I remember for a period people were saying like, oh the traditions you know nobody dances in Greece anymore the kids don't learn it and then I almost feel like I mean there's just like because there's so much interest and such a strong drive in America for it that it's almost hoping to revive that conversation in Greece and in my experience I have a well Stacy and I both have a close friend uh Bano Zikili he's a guy the player from Thessaloniki well he lives in Thessaloniki he's from the Dallas but he has a, a musical a music instrument workshop where he makes folk instruments um in Thessaloniki and um you know I, I talk to him a lot about these types of things and he actually says that prior to pandemic, I haven't, we haven't had this conversation since pandemic, but prior to pandemic, that he actually has more students than he's ever had. Um, he has more kids that are interested in folk music and folk instruments than he's ever had. And he has more women who are interested than they ever had been because women weren't typically musician, yeah. musicians. Um, and I think, I think that's telling too, and dance too, I think you see a, a revival and, and a revived interest in um, folk dance. And, you know, it's not just, you know, obviously we're talking about Greece as a country of 10 million people or whatever. It's not everybody. But I think that that percentage of people that are interested in it is definitely growing. And I think it's nice to see that return and like the kind of revival back to, yeah. you know, it's what, what got us here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Another thing about about competition and just having the support of the metropolis too is being able to pool resources and do more. Um, obviously, there are a lot of communities that may not have 
budget or resources or they wouldn't even know where to start, but it sort of gives people a resource point um, to, to get started and to, and to be able to do more, to have exposure to things that they wouldn't otherwise. Again, you know, talk, I know we keep talking, going back to musicians, but being able to pool resources and, and, and spend the money to bring um, really incredible musicians to be part of that weekend is again, wouldn't be something that just any random community would be able to do on their own. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, if people want to get involved in HDF for 2022, where can they go to find out more information? And we'll put this obviously in the show notes, but is there a website? Yeah, uh, we have a website, HellenicDanceFestival.com that uh, will be uh, uploaded, uh, excuse me, updated pretty soon with our 2022 information. But, you know, Stacy and I are both on Facebook. You know, you need help with resources or anything like that. Reach out, reach out to one of us and we'll be sure to connect you in the right direction and help out in any way we can. We want to grow the program. Awesome. And, and we can add people to the, the HDF forum mailing list as well. So they're updated on any upcoming events. Those are always open to whoever would like to be part of it. So. Okay, cool. And can you tell us the dates of HDF for next year? It is Martin Luther King. I'm looking this up on my phone because I don't know. Yeah. Don't it, but it's Martin Luther King weekend 2022, which is January uh, 14th to the 17th. Okay. Awesome. Mark awesome. your calendars. All right. Mark your calendars from now, everyone. Orlando, Florida. Be in Orlando, Florida. And you people, can enjoy Disney before or after Greek dance. <laughs> and people can participate even if they're not in competition or is it limited to just competing groups? Um, no, you're allowed to participate. I mean, anybody can come as a participant and, and watch and enjoy dances and um, come to Glandia and all those types of things. But even if your group does not wish to compete, we do have um, exhibition, exhibition groups as well where they can do a performance and receive um not necessarily a score, but written critique from our judging panel so that they can help um, build and grow their program, you know, with the advice of our, our um, judging panel. So, um, you know, and a, a few groups have used that as a, as a platform to jumpstart so they feel a little bit more comfortable coming into a competition. That's so actually really what, Can what Kansas did. They came in as oh, an really? exhibition and then followed up. Yeah. So that was... there's opportunity for anybody at the, I mean, it, it's, it really is anybody who has any kind of desire to go, but maybe nervous about it should certainly consider one way or another participating. Cause I mean, that's, that's the way you get started. Right. I mean, yeah, you don't have I mean, to jump in with both feet. Right no, I mean, there's tons of people that come to HDF just to observe watch get to know people dance at the glandia those types of things and you know it's a great way to make relationships you know i mean i do that all the time going to fdf i don't, I don't have any reason to go anymore i don't not dancing or anything but i still go you know i go and i meet people again and continue to foster yeah. those relationships so you know i think we're a pretty open bunch so anybody that would like to come down we'd love to have you we expect to see you guys. We'll be, we'll be there. We'll be there. We will be there. We will definitely. We were going to be there you this could year. Do, you could do a live <laughs> podcast from HDF. Yeah. It's actually really funny that you say that because it's on like our goals list. Ah, <laughs> yeah. what we want to do. Let's make it happen. We'll we're, find you a room. We'll we were talk. totally talking. We're like, we're going to try and grab every dance group before, before or after their performance and get there. <laughs> Their mental Probably state after, you know, <laughs> right get ready to edit okay yeah. <laughs> in, in, in all, in all serious 
<laughs> in all seriousness, no, if you do have an interest to do something like that, please reach out to us and we can see yeah, how we can work out. Yeah, we can definitely talk more about that. Guys, it was so good having you on today. I feel like um, this was when we were talking in sort of the pre-show, like break the ice. Um, this is the first time that like we didn't really super duper know the people that we were having on. So I feel like I've learned so much about you and, and thank you for sharing not only kind of, you know, how you started, how you f- took your first steps in dance, but also a lot about HDF. Cause it's so awesome to hear from, um, you know, the people who really helped to orchestrate it and, and to get it up and, and moving, why it's so important to you. Um, and I'm like obsessed about this odyssey trip to Greece. Um, like, I mean, that seriously gave me goosebumps. I'm like, wow, I don't ever wish to relive my teen years but if i did i'd be going on that like sign me up i'll put the braces back on We're we've go. had talks about doing one for directors too so you know it comes to fruition put me on the google spreadsheet i'm definitely there <laughs> um, my new passport i'm ready <laughs> right exactly but if you guys enjoyed this episode please make sure to hit subscribe give us a rating and we will be back with more steer thoughts